0: Midwife Calling. Hello, and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we are talking about every episode of Call the Midwife one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are watching and talking about the third episode of Season 4 of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Juliet May and written by Harriet Warner. Juliet May we last saw directing the previous episode, the episode where uh, Nurse Crane appears, Um, Or joins the cast. She doesn't (laughs) appear. And Harriet Warner, uh, the last time we saw her was in the episode, the seventh episode of season three, which is the episode where uh, Chummy's mother dies.
0: Mm.
1: So that was the last episode she wrote. That was a good episode. Do you want to tell us about this episode, Jen?
0: All right. Let's get into the recap. Fred works with a volunteer brigade to prepare in case of atomic bombing. In the group is Tony, a young father-to-be who is extra neat and tidy. Patsy visits his wife to bring the delivery pack and checks to make sure she's in good health. The Turners report to Phyllis that there's a dysentery outbreak, and we also see the results of a rat infestation in poplar. Sheila and Phyllis teach the mums about proper hygiene. Tom and Trixie, meanwhile, take over the Rose Queen pageant from an ill rector. And lastly, Phyllis takes care of an Irish mom, Dolores McAvoy, with two young kids and another on the way. She is at a different rooming house than her husband, and they meet at a church. I'm not sure what to call Fred's group of men. Uh, they're some kind of volunteer or yeah. something or other.
1: There okay. is a name for them. Yeah, They're like, Fred has often been the... Your, I could, we could look it up right now, but mm. I don't think it matters enough. It's yeah. like the auxiliary or the, like the volunteer corps. It's yeah. got some, some British name <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: that we're not familiar with. <laughs>
1: um, I want to kind of though, like they're the place we start and they're, it sets some of the, I mean, always the beginning and the voiceover Set some of the thematic expectations, and mm-hmm. one of the things that's interesting to pay attention to is does the episode meet those thematic expectations or not, and how does it? And one of the things that uh, happens right at the top is they're clearing up the bombs, and the voiceover says they're reclaiming the city from the bombs of an old war. Mm. And like, maybe through talking it over with you, I'll I'll see something. Right now. I don't see a really clear sense of that, except maybe, I mean, uh, as I often say, as we often say, it feels like I'm the one who uh, can't help but get to, but uh, step on the end of the episode when we're just talking at the beginning. But like, no spoilers for the series, but we've talked about, we're going to talk about the whole episode and spoiler to the whole episode, that there's... uh, themes of there's themes of prejudice um, cast in possibly like an uh, old fashioned mindset perspective Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's the like symbolic meaning of cleaning up the bombs of an old war I just want to mention that and in my notes I don't really have much more about that but it may come up as we're talking yeah
0: I think it might I I too am like, I don't really know what the, what the thrust of this episode is in terms of starting with the brigade and the bombings and stuff. I mean, it does set the historical scene that this is during um, a time when people are afraid of atomic bombs. I mean, we still are, but, Mm -hmm. but when it like, it has just happened. So uh, there is a clear and present danger.
1: And there's also, I mean, it, Also is clearly to set up Tony as like, uh, you know, he's brave and decisive and helpful and volunteering and an upstanding member of the society.
0: And he's not, uh, the first thing we see him do is kill a rat Mm -hmm. with his like stomping feet basically to show that he's, he's not a sissy the way the other man who, who screams is. And I use that word deliberately. Yeah to like he's not the stereotype that the world would expect which is why it's such a shock later on
1: although i suspect you will bring up and i certainly will bring up like stereotypes uh in this episode and in the characterization of tony
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: i mean maybe i think now is not yet the time to talk about it he's he's we'll say and come back i'm sure to it but like speaking of tony He's like, in this group... uh, He's one of the central characters of the episode, obviously. The thematic center of the episode is really on uh, Tony and... What's her name? Marie. (laughs) Marie. Um, But he's, uh, you know, volunteering to help the community... He kills a rat and takes action when no one else does. He's not scared. Mm -hmm. But also, he's, like, excessively neat and fastidious and careful about his clothes and doesn't get greasy even working in a garage. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, like, we'll talk about that maybe more near the end of the episode or as Mm -hmm. we go through. But those are kind of things to... Notice, I mean, and like we we haven't actually explicitly said, but the plot largely revolves around Tony being outed, being discovered that Tony is having a gay liaison.
0: Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, the main part of this episode. Uh, the other thing is uh, both this. It's there's multiple plots here because we have the dysentery outbreak that's just kind of, and the and the rats just looming in the background the entire episode. So we have Sister Monica Joan who's obsessed with. The rats are being culled and she doesn't like it. And we have the dysentery that Sheila is looking to find the source of Mm -hmm. the whole episode. And that's just kind of in the background.
1: And I think, like I said, I don't see the... uh, I don't immediately see the metaphor of the bombs, but I do immediately see the metaphor of the rats. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor of the rats and of the Irish. Like, there's Mm -hmm. kind of three different kinds of stories about undesirables in mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. And like Sister Monica Joan makes that subtext pretty text. Yeah. Uh she says early on, poison the rat, and through clouds of space and time you poison man. We are all essentially the rat. <laughs> and like it's not obvious I think she's right in two different senses, and it's not obvious which one of them or both of them she means. Like there is a sense of uh spread poison around, and we all get poisoned, like, chemically. Mm-hmm. If you poison the rat, there's poison all over the place, and we all get poisoned. We're all the rat because food chains and environment in common. And there's also the, like, metaphysical sense that, like, uh, kill the undesirables, and uh, you are we are all uh, undesirable to someone. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back, like... I keep putting paper clips on things. I want to come back to like the rat as metaphor
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I'm not totally comfortable with it. No, not,
0: as much. I. I mean, I'll
1: even say less than totally. I'm uncomfortable with it.
0: Yeah. As a metaphor, I don't like it either.
1: But other, there, there's like the rats are undesirable. Mr. and Mrs. McAvoy are also undesirables. Do you want to talk about them at all?
0: Um... Well, they're, you know, the stereotype of the poor Irish people and the discriminated against Irish in this time. And still, I don't know. I don't live in Britain. Um, But she's poor. They have come over from Ireland expecting to have a job and they don't. So uh, Phyllis immediately sees like she's got newspaper in her shoes and she is wearing like a potato sack as underwear. She is the poorest of the poor. In terms of like this young mom, does not have anything,
1: and we see uh, them like her and uh, sitting in the waiting room,
0: mm-hmm. and like
1: one of the other mothers is like, they let them in, stay away from me. Yeah, I didn't write down exactly what she said. Well, they're to- I
0: didn't write down either, but they're talking about cleanliness, and so and she like makes a comment towards, oh, it's you know it's those Irish that are bringing in these kinds of diseases.
1: And so there's, like, she's, uh, we see, like, really, the metaphor of the rats is a metaphor with her also, that, like, they spread mm-hmm. disease, yeah. they're dirty, we don't want them around. Yeah. Is, like, what people are saying in this episode, both about the rats and about the Irish.
0: hmm Exactly.
1: Maybe, do you have anything to say about Trixie and the Rose
0: Queen? I mean, we'll say that more about that later, I think, um... There, uh, who knows what the Rose Queen pageant is? Pfft. Not something we're familiar with, but apparently it's very important to pop It happens yearly. It's it's fancy. Yeah, it happens yearly, and we've never seen it before. We're in the fourth year. <laughs> um, it's, you know, a chance to be fancy and uh, a chance to not seem like you're poor in mm-hmm. some ways, having a pageant, and the pageantry, and the dressing up, and all that stuff. It's the, all very clean as well.
1: Yes. There's a lot of cleanliness and and lack of cleanliness being played on in, as motifs in this episode. Mm-hmm. The other kind of thing about this section we that I didn't mention when we were talking about Tony a second ago is just uh, in addition to being like really fastidious and clean, the other thing we see of him is him appreciating art
0: mm-hmm. and he has that
1: painting and specifically he like... We don't actually hear him say it, we hear her say that he has said it, Mm
0: -hmm. that the woman
1: in the painting is sad because she's trapped by the artist, she has to look the way the artist wants her to look, and she's trapped there, Mm -hmm. and that's like, you know, Tony feels trapped in his marriage and
0: life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... This is where we come to. Tony goes out in the evening and ends up kissing an undercover cop in a washroom and then is arrested for, arrested for gross indecency. Peter shows up to tell Mrs. Amos that he has been arrested. And later Patsy Trit, and Trixie discuss the meat things with Peter, each taking a slightly different view. Marie's father, uh, Mrs. Amos is, well, name Marie. Marie's father fires him from the garage but Tony hopes that someone will show up for him in court. Sheila plays Sherlock Holmes in an attempt, or Watson, as she calls herself, (laughs) in an attempt to track down the source of the dysentery infections. Dr. Turner agrees to be a character witness for Tony, and the nuns and midwives discuss homosexuality at lunch, all coming down on various sides before Sister Julianne shuts down the conversation.
1: I feel like this is, like, we... He talked around it a second ago, and maybe it's stupid that we didn't just jump into it then, but, like, we hadn't got to the (laughs) other shoe-dropping yet. Yeah. But, like, so Tony is meeting men in bathrooms. Is it a little much that he is excessively clean and the only person on the show who likes art? Like, are we... This is one one of my questions about this episode is, like... It feels a little bit, like you said, he smashes the rat because he's not a sissy, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, using loaded language on purpose. And I'm like, that's very true, but there's also like several aspects of his character that are just like plucked right out of the gay man stereotype booklet. Yeah, What do you think about that?
0: I think that, um, well, cards on the table, I don't love this episode. I think it has some issues. I think that what came first, the chicken or the egg situation. Are these things what he likes because he's gay? Or are these like, what has made him gay? Not in my mind, not in anyone, like, not that I believe that. But I feel like in the minds of the writers, these things have made him a gay man. And like, that doesn't really... add up to me that's why it bothers me this episode is like why are you playing on these stereotypes yeah
1: i don't think that i mean i don't think the episode suggests and i want to like totally make sure for readers readers for listeners of the podcast that like i understand what you're saying let's make sure everyone does that you don't think being clean makes a person gay yeah you think that maybe the writers are implying that being clean makes him gay Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think like, I, the question of like, why are you playing on these stereotypes the way that you are, like did niggle at me in this episode too. And it's like, to me, they, I think very, like the art thing is great, actually. Mm -hmm. That like, he likes art. Specifically, he likes this painting. He reads into this art this sense of, like, she has everything. She's beautiful, and her life seems to be perfect, but she's trapped by the world's expectations. And he feels like an outsider, even though his life seems perfect. And his conversation with his father-in-law about, like, I'm gonna have have a son, I'm gonna have a child. And his father-in-law is like, no one's ever ready, And, and... There's a sense in that conversation of, like, they're not talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. His father-in-law thinks he's saying, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a father. And what he's really saying is, I'm not sure I fit in my life. And I can see from a writer's perspective that, like, he works in a garage. What if he's really clean? He stands out from his father-in-law. He looks... Like, it's a visual cue. Mm -hmm. uh, that Like, he looks different. um, Because he feels different. He feels like an outsider. Let's make let's make some uh kind of a- other aspects of his character that really flag that that he feels like an outsider in his life. Yeah. I hope that's where it comes from. Yes. Is that direction yeah. that like for visual storytelling for our viewers, let's make him look like and let's give him other things that make him kind of uh, uh um lampshade that he feels like an outsider. I don't but, know that it lands, though. Because... Yeah, where
0: it doesn't land is it feels like Marie should have seen it coming. It's like she—he's been different all along. How yeah. could you not know this? And it's what she accuses herself of. But it's almost what the show holds her hand and takes her towards. Is this? How could you not know that this—that your husband was gay when he was like all these things? All these stereotypes were right there. Yeah, and we as a you know audience in the 21st century see those all really well and kind of like i just don't see yeah i just feel like it falls flat
1: it was a misstep it was in a misstep. the way that like i mean i'm i have told this story to people in my classes i've told it on twitter because i think it's so uh hilariously wonderful but one of our kids was watching stranger things and said like I'm worried about this character because of tropes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh we don't we ha- can we viewers of this show can uh recognize Tony as gay immediately because yeah. of tropes. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah, I think. That like exactly because like is Marie dumb? Because uh as a viewer, I figured out... I I, I I mean, I don't know if I figured it out so much as, like... You weren't the, surprised. I wasn't surprised. When he's going and, like, soliciting men in a bathroom, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I feel like it would have been a better show. <laughs> it would have been a better... Uh, the, Especially... I mean, both in storytelling terms and also in, like, wanting to talk about... Uh, who is cold and who's an outsider and all the ideas mm-hmm. they want to be talking about in this episode, it would all land better if it was like, really, him? Yeah. Like, if that was our reaction, as it's supposed to be Marie, like, it, yeah. it's supposed to be the character's reaction, isn't
0: it? Absolutely.
1: Or is it not? I don't know if the characters are supposed to be like, well, yeah. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, and that's the conversation that Trixie and Patsy and Peter have is uh, at first Patsy thinks that Trixie is being like ignorant because he's gay but what Trixie's really saying is he cheated on her yeah and that's where like she may have known he was different or whatever but she didn't expect him to cheat on her yes and that's where a lot of the hurt comes from yeah. So there is that aspect. But I do want to get into as well the like the law, the trap yeah. that he is put into. Like yep. let's talk about that for a second. That homosexuality was illegal in the UK until the mid 60s. I don't have the date in front of me. Um, And never illegal for women because they didn't want to give women ideas. I think we talked about that in a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, Anyway. um, But so it's one thing to make something illegal. It's another thing to say, okay, let's put an undercover cop in this public washroom to catch people. Yeah. And to.
1: I think it's, I mean, there's several conversations
0: there. So many.
1: One of them is that, like, this is not technically entrapment because he doesn't uh, induce him into, he doesn't, he isn't uh, soliciting Tony. He's Mm -hmm. waiting to be solicited. And cops, like, this is a thing that cops do. And it's, uh, I'm going to go on a... (laughs) On record here to say it may not be technically illegally entrapment, but it's shady and underhanded uh, behavior to try to like trick people into committing crimes. And to
0: have Peter there being the one, like, this is on his beat. Peter who we like. This is a character we're, yeah, that we usually are on board with. And I feel very negatively towards Peter in this episode that he that he's a part of this and that, that the show would put him in this role. They have to find a role for Peter because he's the cop, but it's it's unpleasant to have him doing that.
1: I kind of like that, actually, mm. that the show is not... Sometimes this show has been uh, our characters are the most enlightened characters Better than all the world characters. Yeah. And I kind of like it when sometimes our characters are wrong. Yeah. Are on the wrong side of the show's moral compass, of what they expect to be the viewer's moral compass. Sometimes they disagree with each other mm-hmm. and don't end up persuaded at the end. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, Peter thinks, well, this is the law. Yeah. And he's a cop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, I kind of like that he's uh, put in that position because it's, uh, I mean, there's lots of becauses, but one of the becauses is that I see is because um, it doesn't depend on Peter being a horrible, hateful person. Mm -hmm.
0: It depends
1: on uh, institutional prejudice. Yes. So having it be a character who we already like, we root for, we're on his side. I like Peter so much as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, have him, to have him be the face of the police in this interaction uh, is like saying this is not dependent on individual people being hateful and bigoted. It is dependent on societal, uh, institutionalized um, prejudice. Yeah. So that, like, it's illegal. Uh, Peter didn't make the law. No. Uh, and Peter doing his duty is causing all this suffering. Mm -hmm. So I don't, like, I think it's a way of the show being like, it's not a person, like, there are individual bigots.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, And we see them in the show. But changing their hearts and minds does not make things better.
0: Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. We definitely have a bit of heavy-handed discussion... I feel like it's too much discussion between Patsy and Trixie and Peter and then discussion of all the nuns and midwives around the lunch table. And it's just like, they want to make sure that every single character gets to weigh in on this. And I was like, is this really necessary?
1: Every single character weighs in my favorite. Uh, again, like I think, uh, here and elsewhere, um, we kind of see enough to know what her opinion is and it's not the same as my opinion but i kind of like uh uh sister julienne's role in this episode of like the courts will judge him end of conversation mm-hmm. but like yeah if i i think that uh I would like the show to follow and sister Jillian's, uh advice a little bit more. That like, mm. we don't need to see them all gossiping. And then yeah. maybe we see them all gossiping so she can shut them down. But also the show is kind of having it both ways. So we get yeah, to see exactly. them all gossiping and we get to be like, let's not gossip everyone.
0: But like, mm.
1: also let's indulge in some gossip from every single character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really like Sister Julianne's in this moment, mm-hmm. as I so often like Sister Julienne. Like the courts will judge him and we won't pass the butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like,
1: he says, Maybe someone will speak up for me and uh and she his wife says, Who will speak up for you when they know what you've done?
0: Yeah.
1: Um Like that's more than just cheating
0: yeah i think that her reaction of everyone in this episode her reactions ring the most true Hmm. she is hurt she is betrayed she's been lied to yeah and she's ashamed because this is illegal and shameful and and she doesn't want anyone to know yeah of course she doesn't want anyone to know like as soon as someone knows they're yelling at her on the street but even then like this is such a natural human reaction to this situation and uh you could say like well why doesn't she just accept that he's gay well yeah but even someone in the 21st century this happening to would have difficulty
1: and I like I mean I think uh I think my imaginary response is Trixie's response mm-hmm. is like he cheated on her yeah i don't care if i was her i don't care if it's with a man or a woman mm-hmm. i care that you cheated on me would be devastated like i would be yeah. so upset
0: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly
1: um Dr. Turner decides to vouch for Tony's character because, of course, he does.
0: Yeah, Dr. Turner is, uh, as you said, sometimes our characters are a little too, like, enlightened. And that does fall to Dr. Turner a lot. We rarely ever see him on, like, the wrong side of history type of thing. Yeah. That can be a little (laughs) exhausting. Except that he smokes. But... Oh, except that he smokes. He's a Doctor That's Who smokes. Screw. He's a Doctor Who smokes, <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> and he seduced a nun. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't don't knock the greatest love story that ever happened.
1: <laughs> we haven't quite got to, gotten to the trial, but him speaking for uh, Tony, who like I know people have interactions we don't see on the show, but they've never interacted before. What does he know about his character? And then, like, in the trial, he's, like, so sanctimonious. Yeah. And the show does kind of call him out for it. uh, Yes. Yeah. At least.
0: Yeah. But it works. And speaking of the trial, that moves us on to our next recap, which is in the trial, Dr. Turner gives a character witness and tries to tell the judge that Tony wants to change. The judge ends up giving him probation on the condition that he's treated until cured instead of jail time. He's prescribed estrogen but does not want to take the pills. The couple fights over this. Meanwhile, Phyllis searches for Mrs. Dolores McAvoy, but she's not at the address she gave, so she's at loose ends to try and find her. Eventually, she gets a call from the hostel where there is a woman in labor who turns out to be Dolores. Uh, The conditions in the hostel are appalling. And she has the dysent- has dysentery. She struggles in labor, but ends up delivering a healthy girl. Her husband, Daniel, is found and brought to her, holding the baby. I
1: want to talk about the uh, McAvoys first mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, when Phyllis is trying to hunt her down, she goes to the address that she's given, and the woman... It's like, there's no Irish here, this is a a decent street. street. That's what she says. It's a decent street, no Irish here. Mm. And this is where, like, these two plots are, uh, kind of reflect on each other. Yeah,
0: they're both, the whole episode is about prejudice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you're, (laughs) I hear in your voice that you think, or like, I hear in your voice that you don't love it, and I think probably why you don't is you think it's heavy-handed. Yes. Do you want to say something about
0: that? Just that literally it's heavy-handed. It's too much to me. Uh, I, I don't think that either plot is given room to breathe because they've been put in the same episode together. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, we also have, like, in the same... No Irish here. It's a decent street. We also have just like a quick little uh scene in the section that you didn't mention, but that is uh a return to the bomb thing here that uh Fred shows up at the door and is like, I need to mm. make sure everything is safe. And Sister Monica Jones says, all this energy in sheltering would be put to better use in talks of peace. Mm hmm. And that's one of my favorite little lines of the episode, and it's actually one of the moments that um, I think actually does put this uh, sheltering nuclear war fear uh, storyline is too strong, but motif, make it make sense with the other plots, is that like, all this energy put into sheltering, into protecting yourself from each other, mm-hmm. into persecuting... Uh, Tony and ostracizing him into curing him uh, would be better put in talks of peace. Yeah. Um, and that uh, Fred says there's no point with the Russians. That, like, it it falls on deaf ears with Fred. That like yeah. you can't have talks of peace with the Russians. And there's a bit of a like echo there of like there's no point making peace with the Irish. There's no point. They're they just are dirty. Uh, and shiftless, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no point uh, living with a gay husband. He should just go to jail or be... uh, There's no point living with him on your street or having him in your garage Mm -hmm. or, like, whatever. Um, That's maybe the point of... uh, The point of connection is that, like... It would all be better put to talks of peace, says mm-hmm. Sister Monica Joan. And yeah. I agree. I, I like that. Not I agree. I agree that peace is good. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that's uh, a, I like that moment from Sister Monica Joan.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Um, <laughs> the trial judge says uh, that... He has to consent to treatment until he is cured. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. That, uh, um, what's his name? Murphy, the uh, Jack Nicholson character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, he decides to pretend to be crazy so that he can be institutionalized in a mental asylum instead of going to jail. Mm-hmm. But what he doesn't understand is a jail is a fixed sentence and the... the uh, asylum is until they decide that he's better yeah and there's something here too that like jail would be a fixed sentence until you are cured is forever
0: yeah there's right no cure i mean like this is uh what happened to alan turing which is chemical castration
1: right <laughs> this is when i was watching the episode uh, uh dr turner was like i'm going to give you stilbestrol. I'm going to give you stillbisterol, And I paused the episode, looked it up, wrote down what stilbisterol is, and then I re- pressed play, and Dr. Turner says, it's a synthetic estrogen, which will be chemical castration. I'm like, oh. He literally explains it, like, in the next <laughs> couple of words, all the things I looked up. But it's a synthetic estrogen that amounts to chemical castration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the reason that you give a- him estrogen is it decreases his... Uh,
0: Sex drive. His sex drive, yeah. and
1: so then he won't misbehave. <laughs> he mm. won't have desire. Yeah, uh, and I looked it all up, and then he said it in the very next like five <laughs> words when I pressed play, because <laughs> I didn't know what yeah. stillbisterol is. Um, like I could guess from context, but uh, but yeah, as you say, that's what happened to Alan Turing. Uh, that he uh committed suicide mm-hmm. as a result. That like, um, I hope it won't be uh, controversial to any of our listeners to like, homosexuality can't be cured. Yeah. Even if you thought it should be, like, even if you think it's something that needs curing, mm-hmm. ah, it can't be. <laughs> yeah. Like, so until you are cured. That, that's not happening.
0: Yeah. That is essentially nonsense. Yeah. Because it's not...
1: And that's like one of the moments of be. Dr. Turner actually not being on the right side of history. That's but true. Like, he's on the side of history of, let's cure your gayness. Yeah. will give you the drugs that'll cure it. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like...
0: So you can live your happy life with your wife and be a normal member of society when, like... Even
1: in the... <sighs> like, even in the 60s, that didn't really make medical sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, moral sense aside, medically, it didn't ever really make any sense.
0: Mm. Um, So because... let's move on and talk a little bit more about the Irish couple and the rooming house that she's in, or the hostel that she's in. Uh, we find out when, uh, when she's in labour... Th- They go to the rooming house, find her. She has dysentery. The place that she's living in isn't even a homeless shelter. They charge Mm -hmm. them. So they're being charged and the conditions are roaches everywhere. They all have dysentery. It's just extremely unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And no place to give birth. But the woman who runs it or who is, I don't don't—I don't I can't remember if she runs it or is like the matron or yeah. like whatever.
1: I don't know if it's ever spelled out, but it seems like she is not owning it. She's no. like staff.
0: Yeah. And she, she's negative at first, but then provides like clean sheets for the birth and goes and finds the husband.
1: She's another like Peter example of like, I don't like her the way I like Peter, but mm-hmm. like, uh, they say to her, like, you've given me the impression that you're someone who actually has a conscience or actually has a heart or whatever yeah. they say. And she's like, yeah, okay, I do. But she's another example of like, she individually has compassion and mm-hmm. can help when she can. She like, but it doesn't matter that the individual helps if the rooming house is a filth pit. Yeah, It doesn't matter... It matters to this woman. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, It matters in that moment. When I say it doesn't matter, like individual kindnesses matter. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not enough that the individual person has a heart when the rubber meets the road. If the institution is uh, spreading dysentery and uh, preying on their uh, desperation. Yeah, exactly. It just feels like a, another little parallel to, like, Peter can be a good guy, but uh, all cops are problems in this situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, We do get a taste of the prejudice, they, more of the prejudice they faced in that he came here thinking he had a job and they didn't. He didn't bring them here thinking that they would be living like this. And they also... Are having trouble finding anyone who will rent to them because they're Irish. Yeah. Which is this prejudice situation.
1: hmm And we also see, like, in terms of the same kind of, like, parallel is uh, Tony goes to Fred asking if he can still be a part of the mm-hmm. brigade meetings. And Fred says, if it was down to me, but it isn't. Closes the door. Yeah. So in the same kind of way... Like Fred can be a good guy that we like, mm-hmm. but in this instance, I'm I'm pretty like it could be down to you if you wanted it to be yeah, Fred. Totally, that's an excuse, but it also isn't down to him, mm-hmm. and that, like it's not just individual kindnesses or cruelties are not uh, what's. Behind, I mean, they are not enough. Yeah, we come back. We've had a couple of times through repeated like uh sister monica joan and the the rats um she doesn't want to kill off the rat because she doesn't hold with culls who will be culled next and then later um as if like that was pretty the metaphor there show was pretty clear and then uh later um Patsy is like, I don't hold with Culls either. And I'm like, okay, yes, okay. Yeah, we get exactly. It. Uh,
0: <laughs> Was she even there when Mr. <laughs> Malkajon said that? <laughs> but here's the... I, want,
1: I feel like we touched on it a little, but here at the back half of the show, at the end of the show, our show, uh, I want to bring up again, like... The problem with the gay people are like rats metaphor mm-hmm. is that rats actually do spread diseases and shouldn't be in houses. Yeah, exactly. And I get, I I get, I even like, and I even like, was kind of taken aback a bit by like, that is true, Sister Monica Jones. Like, we are all God's creatures, even the rat. Mm-hmm. And like, rats are a... Uh, big one for me I actually hate rats like Ooh. people have pet rats and I'm like oh, they're so cute and I'm like yeah really cute they skeeve me out a little uh if a rat in my house
0: yeah Ooh. like
1: yeah. I oh. But the problem with this as a metaphor is, yes, pet rats can be very nice and good, but rats in people's houses are actually not okay. And gay people on people's streets actually are okay. And so as a metaphor, it falls apart a little bit that, like, the rats actually are a problem that needs to be solved in a way that the gay people aren't. Or at least uh, the solution to gay people is, like... To quote Sister Monica Joan again, like talks of peace rather than sheltering, but you can't make talks of peace with rats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it it I it falls apart. <laughs> it falls apart, and I don't really like it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I don't Agreed. really like Agreed. the
1: uh, we have to tolerate the rats just like we tolerate gay people. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you're actually saying what you want to be saying when you say that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: And one of my problems with the episode is that, like, Tony is uh, a little pulled out of stereotype uh, workbook. (laughs) Let's build a stereotypical gay man.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Cookie cutter. And the other part is that, like, they're pushing so hard on the, like, uh, gays, Irish, and rats. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, one of these things is not like the others, though. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right? Like, am I am I wrong? <laughs> not wrong. You are not wrong. In happier news, <laughs> 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 rehearsals are underway for the Rose Queen pageant. Hey <laughs> Marie is the outgoing Rose Queen helping the new one when a neighbor finds the article about Tony and tells the room. Oh, no. Leading to Marie leaving and Patsy defending her. Tony is turned away from the defense brigade for having a criminal record, right. and uh, Tony and Marie fight again at home. Dr. Turner and Phyllis fight for better living conditions for the McAvoy family, having the hostel fumigated, and then convincing a local medical officer to pull strings to get the family into housing. Sheila finds the source of the dysentery, Yay, Sheila. (laughs) Marie goes into labor as Tony locks himself in the garage with the car running, attempting to kill himself. Marie gives birth to a baby girl, and her father saves Tony in time for him to meet their new daughter. Marie gets to be Rose Queen in the pageant after all, as Tony and her father lead the applause.
1: So, like, do you want to talk about Dr. Turner and Phyllis and the rooming house first? Yeah.
0: I love this. This this part I really love. This part of, like, they see this living condition. And like you say about individual kindness, this kind of connects to that in that they know that they can't help everyone. Like, the rooming, the hostel had tons of people in it. Not just this family. But they're focused on, you know, mother and baby first, as they always are. So, they go to the medical officer and he agrees, yeah, we'll get it fumigated. And once they're outside, like, the fumigating building, they convince him that it's not enough. Yeah. Like, you've gotten rid of the cockroaches. That's not enough. Look at this family. Would this be where you would want your family? And it works. Yep. He gets them. We see the family in a new apartment
1: and this is where to both i think in terms of what the episode is saying and also in terms of myself like i keep banging the drum about like individual kindnesses aren't enough but like there's also something in this episode that i think is very uh uh true like but individual kindnesses are what individuals can do Mm -hmm. and that like at the same time there's lots of other people in this uh rooming house and the problem is only sort of kind of solved. Yeah. Uh but they but uh Phyllis can't tear down the rooming house. No. She and Dr. Turner Dr. Turner can, can't tear down the rooming house either, but he has a little more institutional power. Mm-hmm. But uh their individual connection to an individual and help the people that you are with. Mm-hmm is also pretty powerful and is like the counterpoint to that that like on one hand the rooming house is still there and the institutional problems still exist but on the other hand individual kindnesses are what individuals can do and they make a real difference
0: yeah exactly yeah like sheila the individual finding (laughs) the source of the dysentery (laughs) yeah i mean
1: that's great and good i don't really know what to say about that do you that have anything too. like
0: i feel like it fits this, this episode in that like everyone is connected in poplar sure in that uh we needed sheila to have something to do <laughs> in this episode i guess she's very proud of herself and it is a fun she, little mystery that she solves but she it, should be proud
1: of herself it lifts she's right out very of the good. episode yeah i mean yeah
0: it, really feels like they had trouble filling an episode because things get repeated. Like the discussion with the nuns and the midwives about Tony happens a couple of times. Marie and Tony fighting happens a couple of times. And like, well, it is good to have, you know, repeated things. It does feel like this episode was really struggling to fill itself. I mean, it needed more. If
1: I was, uh, being a writing teacher,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would say every new uh, every new fight needs to push the story forward, not just in terms of plot but in terms of theme. So something we mm-hmm. need to end every fight, knowing and thinking and feeling things we didn't know and think and feel before and i I agree with you that doesn't really happen,
0: yeah um, wh- what do you think of the ending? Is there an ending? Is anything resolved? yeah I wanna
1: I want to uh, give a kind of glib and snarky response to the ending first mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, there uh, Marie walks in and there's a slow clap and everyone stands and claps for her I'm like slow clap are you kidding guys yeah, like. I know. Uh, that isn't a thing that happens and it's not a thing that should happen in fiction like Mm -hmm. a slow a whole room full of people slowly clapping for some like come on
0: (laughs) well it's not even like it's not when she walks in it's when they announce her they announce the new one everyone claps they announce her and no one claps well and then and tony Tony starts but why wouldn't the midwife like patsy's right there yeah trixie's right there why are they not clapping
1: and I like this is my glib like Stupid. anytime there's a slow no slow clap it's a problem in the TV yeah, show yeah, and like absolutely. I call the midwife does not shy away from cheese and I don't actually want it to it's okay to be cheesy sometimes yeah absolutely slow claps are a kind of cheesy that like it just doesn't make sense under the no. tiniest bit of scrutiny and that brings me a bit to the serious answer that like the end of the episode is a slow clap yeah the end of the episode is like Tony realizes that he has a daughter. Uh, his uh, father-in-law saves him, and then what?
0: Yeah, does he take like? And the then nose? slow
1: clap. And now he like he uh, is proud of his wife. He never wasn't. Yeah, like he always uh, loved her. Mm-hmm. Does she? Does she still love him? <laughs> that was the part that was in question, and we don't get an answer to. Definitely not. Does loving her but having no sexual desire uh is that gonna be enough for tony for the rest of his life because that was the problem (laughs) yeah and that's not a problem we get any solution or hint of a solution to and like okay maybe maybe we do get a solution to i will buy like it's kind of symbolic i will buy that his daughter is enough to make him want to stay alive Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay i'll that I'll I'll buy that.
0: Yeah. And his father-in-law kind of comes around on him. Being like, like, he doesn't want him a... to commit suicide
1: to... in his garage while his child is being born. Does that mean he's giving him his job back? <laughs> Unclear.
0: Yes, kind of. Because he's kind of like the three of us against the world type right.
1: of thing. Okay. So, like... I just feel like this episode tries to have tries to slow clap the ending, where mm-hmm. like it tries to give us this like sense of resolution. These kids are gonna make it, but like a slow clap, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Not at all. That like what you have told us up until this ending does not leave me uh, happy and uh, like satisfied and like um, you know. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, warm, fuzzy feelings at the end, which you're kind Mm -hmm. of trying to leave me with warm, fuzzy feelings.
0: Yeah, and like, and Call the Midwife does end unhappily sometimes. It tries to wrap things up nicely, but it does end unhappily. But this is pretending it's not ending unhappily.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I think. That like, it would be one thing to end unhappily. The best Call the Midwife episode, the very best Call the Midwife episodes Are like the previous one that she wrote. Mm
0: -hmm. Are like,
1: Chummy's mother dies. Yeah. And they don't pretend that that's not griefful and heartbreaking and we're we are sad with the character and they find chummy finds some peace with her mother and uh jenny finds some like sense of purpose but that sense of purpose doesn't erase the loss and the grief and we have this like joy and satisfaction and sadness and grief like all mixed up together in a very uh profound way at the end of that episode this episode is like Just don't pay attention to the sadness. Let's slow clap. Like, it's not doing the same thing of, like, taking all those different contradictory feelings into account. Mm -hmm. It's doing the opposite, where, like, we can only have the warm, fuzzy ending if we kind of pretend to forget about the way that he's, like, they are. Like, she now has a husband who will never want to, who will never find her desirable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, him slow clapping for her at the Rose Queen ball is enough for today. hmm But for the rest of your life, your husband doesn't want you. Yeah. And he is like, maybe his father-in-law gives him a job now and he can, uh, have a job. And maybe, we, like we've seen before, maybe his neighbors are, are, Prejudiced and rude, and he can get past that. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but for the rest of your life, you're married to a woman you are have no desire for, and take medication so that you have no like to chemically castrate yourself so that you can't have no sexual desire because you know that uh, if you don't take that, you're going to go to prison for like.
0: Yeah. This is it's... the
1: rest of your life? Slow clap? <laughs> yeah. I feel like the show needs to acknowledge mm-hmm. how dissatisfying this ending is for these characters. Yeah.
0: I feel like a similar... There was a similar episode in the first season where the the woman gives birth to uh, a black baby that is not her husband's. And mm-hmm. the husband decides not to see it. Mm-hmm. And it ends with like... We don't know if he ever noticed or whatever. He still loved this baby as if it was his own. And that was really like heart, you know, sweet. But also you couldn't ignore the fact that this child was going to have a hard life. This child was not going to be able to pretend he didn't have the same skin color as his parents. And that this dad can live in bliss and pretending when it's a baby. But this this child's going child to be a thirteen-year-old. It's not going to like be okay. He's going to be a thirteen-year-old
1: with a permanent tan who just no one ever talks about ever.
0: Yeah, like I just don't believe that that no was kid all... on the
1: school ground is ever going. to Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, exactly. I just don't believe in the nineteen sixties. This kid is going to grow up and everything's going to be hunky dory. But that's, I mean, but that could have a happier ending. But did there has been times when this show has done this before. I
1: feel like that is another good good example of doing it better than this, though. Because the the show is always, like, things are complicated. There's lots Mm -hmm. of people with lots of situations and lots of feelings. And that was a story about this husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And so that story ends happily, even if they're lives don't and there are consequences that spin out like that i'm i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) actually whereas this story doesn't end happily no not at all it's not just that there are consequences for people all around it's that like this is a story about tony Mm -hmm. and marie to a lesser extent but it's really a the the main focus of the episode was on tony and uh There we, we end kind of pretending like things are going to be okay for him
0: mm-hmm.
1: or that things have become okay for him when like, you haven't actually earned that ending.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> the best we can, you've given us is he would rather see his new daughter than kill himself and yep. he's willing to slow clap for his wife,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which like, I guess that's, a, I guess like, n- you know, he's not suicidal anymore. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah, and then like, there is something moving, if a little heavy-handed, about like his wife in labor while he's in the garage turning yeah. on the CO2, and then he gets saved at the last minute to go see his new baby. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't mind some cheesiness. I don't even mind some heavy-handedness. Like that. That's a moving. That was a good scene. That scene? was a very good
0: scene. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well done, scene.
1: But I don't... And maybe if that was the end, like, maybe that would have been an okay ending.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't feel like the Rose Queen slow clap ending is doing justice to the episode or the emotional stakes of the episode. It is not. (laughs) I think I liked this episode more than you did, but I understand why you didn't like it. Yeah. And I share a lot of your uh, critiques. I get where you're coming from. I didn't... This wasn't. This is certainly not my favorite episode of Call the Midwife, but you actually didn't like it, and I'm right. Yeah, I think I'm on the whole liked it more than uh, not.
0: Well, in that uh, respect, did you have a favorite part?
1: My favorite part throughout, although I hated the way the show made them a metaphor for gay people. If I take that metaphor out and just think of it as a story of its own i really enjoyed sister monica joan and the rats <laughs> <laughs> and also like, like genuinely i genuinely did like we're all god's creatures i like that did kind of pull me back a little bit to be like mm-hmm. gross animals are also god's creatures yeah I don't think that they are appropriately metaphorical for gay people.
0: No, definitely but not. But I
1: do think that as a story on their own, mm-hmm. like we don't exterminate animals just because we find them disgusting.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So that was totally. my favorite
1: part. How about yeah. you? Did you have a favorite part?
0: Um.
1: Put you on the spot?
0: I think that um, Phyllis and Dr. Turner facing off against the medical officer at the house being like, would you bring your family home to this Mm -hmm. kind of thing? I think that was my favorite moment is kind of Phyllis being like, yay, go Phyllis. You know, this is only
1: like her second episode. Yeah.
0: So this is really early on in Phyllis and I, and she's winning me over for sure at this point. Yeah. So, so I think that's my favorite. Good. So, that's that episode of Call the Midwife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, if I'm you so-
1: liked this more than Jan did or less <laughs> than Jan did, you know, you can let us know. Sorry, mm-hmm. I talked over you. What were you going to say? I don't remember. Okay. So you can let us know and you can do that how?
0: You can email us, uh, poplar at clockworksacademy.com. You can uh, tweet at us, at poplaropinion on Twitter i think we might also be on facebook uh if you find us there you could send us a message um we also have a patreon which we are currently in the process of revamping but if you would like to support us for more episodes of this and for other clockworks academy related things you can do that patreon.com slash clockworks cast
1: you certainly can um Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We'll be back again with the next episode soon. There's like big long pauses in our recording, but not in your listening. You'll get it next week. <laughs> maybe we'll edit this out, or maybe I won't.
0: I've been Dr. Paula Moffat. And I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. <laughs>